Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. This is a fun episode today. We're talking baseball. That's right, all you seam heads. We're going to break down the Major League Baseball playoffs. Of course, the wild card weekend was last weekend, and we are heading into the divisional series beginning today, Tuesday, October 11th. My guest is Dominic Catronio. He has just an awesome resume and has a great voice. I think you're really going to like him. I have two sponsors I want to thank before we get to Dom. The first is Gooder. This episode is brought to you by Gooder. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses for anybody. Their polarized golf sunglasses are lightweight, comfortable. They don't move when you swing. And again, they start at just $25. I'm talking no slip, no bounce, polarized. You look good on and off the course in these things. They're built with golf-specific lens. So they have all the HD contrast and performance without the hefty price tag. Go get a few pair. They're priced. Go buy three or four pair. Leave one in your golf bag. Leave one pair in your car. Leave one at the office. That's the beauty of Gooder sunglasses. And right now, listeners, you can use the code TRAPDRAW, all one word, TRAPDRAW, for 15% off your entire order at Gooder.com. So go to Gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com, get 15% off your entire order when you use code TRAPDRAW at checkout. All orders over $50 get free shipping in the United States. They have 30-day free returns. All their sunglasses come with a one-year warranty. I mean, this is a heck of a deal here. That's 15% off with the code TRAPDRAW at www.goodr.com. Look good, golf gooder. Thank them for being a Trap Draw sponsor. And the other sponsor I want to thank before we get into the show is Whoop. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA tours. You can monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. Train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel healthier with Whoop and their all-new Whoop 4.0 the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The all-new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. The device features a new smart alarm designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day. Plus, it was designed with their new Anywhere technology, so you can wear it with their Whoop body sensor-enhanced technical garments. Listeners, all you need to do to get this all-new waterproof device for free is sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. On top of that, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code NLU15 at checkout. So go to WhoopWHOOP.com and our NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Thank Whoop for being a great sponsor of the Trap Draw. And now let's get into the show. Favorite rapper, favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm 
rapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who me? Well, folks, this is uh, one of my favorite times of year, and uh, no small part of that is playoff baseball. Unfortunately, my Reds will not be a part of it. But here to break down the Major League Baseball playoffs, a little peek ahead, what do you need to watch for, some crazy stats, et cetera, et cetera, is Dominic Catronio. He has one of the best resumes I know of anywhere dom let's let's start here you do stats and research for valley sports and tbs you do a milwaukee brewers post game show during their season Mm -hmm. you do play-by-play on the pac-12 network what sports do you do uh just baseball now uh more to come monitor this space if you will uh but yeah just baseball as of now and then he you caddy at aaron hills in in your copious (laughs) amounts of free time yeah, it's it's quite a, a grind. Um, and before all of this, I spent four years calling baseball in the minor leagues. Um, just a baseball nut, sports nut in general. Still want to be a play-by-play broadcaster, but moving up to Milwaukee at the start of the 2021 season has been the best thing that could ever happen to me. And uh, it's been quite a ride, to say the least. And with the copious amounts of free time, it's really just a fully... The calendar app, I'm really going to work out of it in Google Calendar <laughs> on my phone of just, hey, wake up, 6 a.m., go straight to Aaron Hills, caddy, you know, I'm on the grass for five, six hours, whatever, shower at Aaron Hills, go straight to the ballpark, work the game, do stats for Bally Sports Wisconsin, go five booths down the hall, go do the post-game show for locally WTMJ, then do some cuts after, do some little live radio stuff, and then uh, go home, go to bed, do it all over again the next day. What happened? Let's start here. What happened to the Brewers this year? The, that was, you know, they they kind of went away late. What's uh, what's your diagnosis for the 2022 season? A lot of the Brewers, you know, try to say, look, it's not, you know, the the trade is the reason why we, you know, the Brewers underperformed and that guys didn't step up. But like, like let's be honest, man. Like, the Josh Hader trade changed everything. You know, it, chemistry is something that nerds like me try to ignore and I try to kind of give and take like look chemistry matters in a clubhouse and just because you can't quantify it doesn't mean it's not important I mean I saw it firsthand in 2014 uh, or 2015 sorry with the Oakland A's trading Yoenis Cespedes for John Lester so uh, I, I think of that instantly when I saw that Josh Hader trade come across the wire and they lost some mojo in a really bad time to lose mojo and it was too little, too late. They dealt with a lot of injuries, though. I've compared them a lot to Cleveland because last year, Cleveland had a ton of injuries to their starting rotation, specifically Shane Bieber. Uh, and right now, the Brewers are looking ahead to 2023, still with their core three starters of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. I mean, I think anybody would want those three. Yes. And yes. It, it should be okay for 2023. And last thing on the trade was... So I heard Hader, they, they wanted to get out in front of uh, his impending free agency, which I believe is after next season. Yes. If, yes. And was it a matter of they, they just felt like they weren't going to be able to re-sign him and to try to maximize the the trade return? It's a mixture of things, right? The the owner, Mark Adonacio of the Brewers, said after the trade that this was not a cost-cutting move. Take it what you will, given the Brewers have a history of cost-cutting moves. Uh, He was about to enter his final year of arbitration. I mean, until July, he was going to be the highest-paid reliever ever in arbitration. 
uh, somewhere in the $15 million range. And then July happened, and I think the Brewers kind of hit the panic button. Like, wait a minute, they were planning on trading him in the offseason. What if he continues to struggle, continues to stumble in the second half? Not only are you going to be losing games because of that, but there's not going to be any trade value for him. So I think they kind of hit the panic button a little and traded him when they really didn't need to. And, you know, if that those words, I'm going to kind of hold the, the feet to the fire, if you will, with Mark Adonacio of just like, hey, this was not a cost-cutting move, which means that you're going to need to spend some money down the road somewhere. So they're in a really, really interesting crossroads these next two seasons. Well, and the Brewers coming back to earth clears the way for the St. Louis Cardinals to just keep doing what they do. Uh, yeah. It's it's unbelievable. They just they uncover seemingly gems. You know they're 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 graduating guys out of the farm system that contribute. They they pull off trades like Goldschmidt and Arenado. They they just I, I hate them, but they're just a great organization. Yeah, you're an NL Central guy. You know the drill. You've heard the Cardinal way your entire life, right? Like when I was younger, I was a Rangers fan. And 2011 still breaks my heart. One strike away twice. And like I was, shoot, man, like I don't want to dunk on the Cardinals because I think they're also a fabulous organization. I know a lot of people over there. But like, yo, Cardinals fans, what are we doing leaving in the bottom of the eighth inning? Like, have you not watched your team's postseasons the last 15 years? They always have some sort of magic in the ninth. Granted, they didn't this weekend, but like, what are we doing leaving in the eighth inning? Kudos to Michael Kay and A-Rod for calling him out on that. But, like, wow, what are you doing leaving? I, I mean, I love Cardinals fans, and I hate Cardinals fans. That was one of those moments I hate Cardinals fans. Yeah, no kidding. Especially being Pujols and Molina, their their last go-round. Uh, exactly. That was, that was shocking. All right, well, we don't have to talk about the teams that aren't in the playoffs. We can we'll, – we'll do some – I want to get your thoughts on some season-long awards at the end, but let's let's turn our attention to the division series. We are you and I are recording this on Monday the tenth. The division series in both leagues starts Tuesday the eleventh. Uh, in no particular order, I want to ask you some questions uh, to do with the division series and beyond. You know, these can apply to the the championship series and the World Series. So. First question for you, Dom. It's open-ended. The new playoff format is fill-in-the-blank. We will know more after this week with the DS, but personally, I'm a fan. I'm really excited to see if there is a negative effect on one of these teams with a bye, having to sit around and wait for the teams to come to them, and then maybe that team comes in fresher, hotter, ready to go. And the other team that's had the bye comes out flat. I mean, everyone's been using the example of 2007, the Colorado Rockies getting swept by the Red Sox uh, in your neck of the woods now. But when I look at it, it, it the four teams that earned a bye, they are legit. They, they all earned it for good reason, right? No one backed into earning that bye. It's not like, oh my goodness, how did this team... There wasn't really a race this year between the two and three seed. Right. I wonder if we're going to see that down the road where it's like, oh man, the... Just for instance, 2023, let's say the Brewers are on pace for 95 wins, but the NL East winner is on pace for 96 wins. So who's it going to be to take that by? And I wonder how that's going to react in the future. So I'm, I'm really excited for this new playoff format. And I will say I like uh, the the best of three wildcard series. Love I thought, that. I thought the one game wildcard was kind of a travesty, right? You play 162 games and then and then 
you know, it kind of comes down to to one game for two teams. I I didn't like that. I do hope we're done with expanding the playoffs. I think one of the magic things about baseball has always been how difficult it is to make the playoffs. And so now we have uh, seven teams in each league, 14 teams. You know, we're creeping up to almost half the teams in baseball. Like, let's put a cap on it. Let's let's keep it right here. I don't know if you feel similarly or not, though. I agree. I think 14 is a good sweet spot until baseball expands again, which is always on the docket for Rob Manfred. He wants to get 32 just like all the other sports leagues. But 14 is a good number because everyone has to earn it still. And this year in particular, now 2021, you could say good teams got left out uh, because of the non-expanded post. And look at what we got. You know, Toronto missed it by a game. Seattle missed it by a game in 2021. Then they face each other here this year in the wild card series. That's exactly what it's about to make sure you get in. And you can say, look, Baltimore, what a hell of a year for those guys. But they're a year ahead of schedule. Did I think they were deserving of the playoffs? No. But in a 16-team you know, playoff format, they would have got in. And I, quite frankly, I think they would have got their bell rung. So you can't say that for certain, but it's a perfect number right now. You can say nobody backed into the postseason. Nobody, nobody's here because of the expanded playoffs that didn't deserve to be here. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, next question. Which team has the most pressure on them? Whew. I mean... It's easily the Dodgers. I know a lot of people would think the Yankees or maybe the Astros. I think it's got to be the Dodgers. I mean, after you know, over 110 wins, uh, Dave Roberts' comments in spring training, like if our pitching stays healthy, we will win the World Series. And well, like it stayed pretty healthy, uh, aside from of course losing Walker Bueller, Kershaw in the middle of the year, but he's back. Gonsolin, he's back. I mean, it. it the, this is the year, right? The Dodgers can finally put away. Oh, 2020, 60 games, yada, yada. If this is the team to do it. And who knows what the future of Kershaw, what the future is with their pitching core, but they have to silence everybody by winning a legitimate World Series. And I flip-flop every day about thinking of 2020 as a real World Series because you talk to any baseball people, and you know, I know you feel this way big, like (laughs) 60 games, man, like. Hell, the Brewers were like 34-16 and 16 or whatever through 60 games. Like, they were one of the best teams in baseball, right? It's just not the same as a 162-game grind. So it's all on the Dodgers this postseason. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I think the Dodgers are, are a little bit in the territory of, are, are we going to remember this, this run as more mid-90s Atlanta Braves or mm-hmm. can they pick off another World Series at least one more World World Series and then we're talking about one of the better dynasties that we've seen in baseball so I I do agree with you from a from a taking out the Bronx and the inherent pressure that's always on the Yankees I I do think I, I agree that the Dodgers probably have the most pressure around them as a team and in an organization agreed next question uh staying in the same vein which player do you think has the most pressure on them? I mean, I'm going to flip this. I'm going to change the rules on this one a little bit. The instant gut reaction is Aaron Judge, but that's not the right answer. The right answer is everybody on the Yankees that's not named Aaron Judge. Oh, I like it. I like it. Because, look, Judge has carried that team, and it's the reason why he's going to win the MVP as as opposed to Shohei Otani. You take Judge off the Yankees, they are not a playoff team. You take... You know, Otani off the Angels, they're still not making the playoffs. So 
when it comes to he needs his support system, and it remains to be seen about Matt Carpenter, remains to be seen if DJ LeMahieu will get back into form. He's been dealing with his toe. Uh, is Rizzo going to continue to be a good support for Judge? If Judge going to continue to lead off? You know, that guy who bats second matters so much behind Judge. Uh, and then furthermore, you look at how they arrange, where do you fit in Stanton? Do you have Stanton continue to bat cleanup? Do you keep Judge in a leadoff spot? Who do you have batting ninth? Do you have Trevino or do you have Hicks batting ninth? It's everybody that isn't Aaron Judge on the Yankees because they need to prove it. I'm not I'm not so sure the Yankees are a World Series caliber team this year, but they need to prove that there is a reason that they can go keep this guy, you know, back up the Brinks truck, as you know, some folks would say, and keep this guy because he is the most important player on the Yankees, but all the pressure is on everybody else. Yeah. I, I love that answer. I'll just say the only thing I add, it's it's always fun to see uh, how Clayton Kershaw performs in the playoffs as well. Though going back to twenty twenty, I'm kind of tired of that narrative. I know, let, let I know. Let the man live. I, I mean, know. he's been a good pitcher. You know, like I I love Clayton. Yes, the beginning of his career, he definitely had some demons in the postseason. But I think it was in twenty nineteen uh, when they uh, were on their run against the uh, Red Sox. He had like a star where he went into the seventh, only gave up two or three runs, and everyone's like, "Oh, look at." choking Kershaw again like wait a minute that's a quality start I give know. the man a break so I, I think it's an overplayed narrative at this point <laughs> um all right what is the biggest storyline uh or not storyline that's that's not the right word what's the biggest question you are eager to see answered in these playoffs uh, aside from can the Dodgers finally do it in a real season the biggest storyline I, I see how the wildcard team is going to perform and I kind of alluded to that earlier uh, in my bracket, and we'll get to it a little bit later, I did a preview show locally here in Milwaukee that I I sat down and did my bracket. And I just, I'm looking at these teams and I'm just like, I don't see how a wildcard team can get, I picked chalk. Like I, I was, mm-hmm. I tried to find every reason to pick one of these wildcard teams. And I'm just like, even including the Mets going up against the Dodgers, if they were to get out of that wildcard series, I'm like, I picked chalk. Like it, it's just... I don't know how the wildcard team is going to do it. I think Cleveland matches up really well with New York, uh, and that's a series that I'll be specifically working on for TBS. I also think that, I mean, it's going to be thoroughly entertaining of the Astros and the Mariners, but the the Astros bullpen is not the Toronto bullpen. So if if the Mariners fall behind, it's going to be a lot harder for them to come back on the Astros bullpen. And then nationally, I mean, the Braves are the best team that I feel like, yes, they kind of stole the headlines from the Mets, this past weekend, everyone trying to say, oh, the Mets lost the division, the Mets choked. No, the Braves went out and won it, man. Like, the Braves are a great team. I think we're full steam ahead to a World Series rematch at Braves-Astros, but I would love to see if a wildcard team can shock the world. Maybe it would be San Diego. Maybe it would be Cleveland. Uh, I just, I, that's the biggest thing I want to see. Can one of these wildcard teams knock off the team with the bye? All right, game seven. You have one starting pitcher to choose from of all the remaining teams. Who who do you want to give the ball to? So let's say it's a it's a game seven would be a CS, a championship series. A DS only goes five games. But Correct. let's just say it's it's a game seven for a CS. So with the teams that are available. Uh for me, no question, I'm giving the ball to Justin Verlander. Uh the dude's done it over and over and over again. He looks as healthy as ever. I actually just worked the last couple games of the regular season uh, in Houston with TBS, and he had that start against the Phillies, his final tune-up, five no-hit innings with, I think he finished with 10 strikeouts. At one point, he had eight in a row. 
Uh, I have seen Justin Verlander do this in person in the postseason. Uh, A's fans, cover your ears. I know you know the drill of Justin Verlander and the Tigers every freaking year, man. Like He was public enemy number one in Oakland, dominating the A's. Um, this dude's got the postseason pedigree. He's done it before. Give me JV, man. This dude is on another level right now, and he's about to get the Brinks truck backed up to him as well this offseason, too. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with Verlander. Um, all right. What well, about you, though? Who are you taking? Uh, oh, God. Um, so it's hard not to, to choose a Garrett Cole. That's that's a great question. You know, my heart is like Luis Castillo. Is I knew is, you were going to go well, there. I know. He's throwing the But ball it's a great really pick. Well. It really I is. Know, I know. Uh, a guy like Shane Bieber, I think, is mm-hmm. is so, so good. Um, I, I'll take Garrett Cole. I mean, when Garrett Cole's on, he just... It 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 looks unhittable, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's fair. It's it, and, and the Yankees believe that too because he will be taking the ball in Game Five if they are in that situation. Yes, yes. Uh, well, who's the best player that's kind of under the radar, maybe not a household name, uh, that has a chance to become a household name in your opinion these playoffs? I mean, if Jose Ramirez isn't a household name yet, that's that's on you, the baseball fan. I'm sorry. Like you need to go look at. Jose Ramirez's numbers. This dude, I mean, he's got numbers and rankings that like, it's amazing over the last, I think it's the last six seasons, the numbers that he has line up exactly with prime Yelich, prime Trout, prime Judge, but yet he's the only one of this list of guys that hasn't won an MVP. He's incredible. If he's not a household name, he needs to be, but to a lesser extent, I mean, he's been a multi-all-star. He's a great player. He's the face of the, of the Guardians. But if you want to go somewhere really under the radar, off the top of my head, I look to Seattle. And if you're not familiar with what Ty France has got going on out there, man, like he's he could hit some tanks at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Or sorry, in Houston at the Crawford boxes. Um, I, I want to see Ty France kind of unload a little bit because Julio's already a star. Um, I want to see Ty France kind of get into a couple against the Astros. I, I like both of those. I, that whole Guardians team is is kind of under the radar. You know, I think not terribly high expectations. I'm I'm really keen. We, we'll get into the, the the individual matchups with the division series, but uh, that that Cleveland New York series is is fascinating for for a lot of reasons. The, the only other guy I would throw out, I I think he. You know, for the true baseball fans, he he certainly should be a household name by this point. But maybe for the more casual fans, uh, Framber Valdez, who mm, who is in that Astros rotation, um, just had a magnificent season, and will be fun to to see how he fares here in the playoffs. Because of course, it, it can be a bit of a different beast. So would yeah would, would only add that I guess. With Framber, he's a great pick because. He does fall under the radar because there is this bias about Latin pitchers. We don't know a lot about him, doesn't speak English, that kind of stuff. But two, like, he doesn't necessarily strike out the world. I mean, he still averages just shy of like a strikeout per inning, just shy of nine Ks per nine, which is still pretty close to league average in today's today's game. But he's not afraid to put the ball in play. He's got a great defense behind him. He works quick. And he's very old school. Here it is, hit it. You know, like I got a great changeup, I got a great sinker. 
He's left-handed. He threw over 200 innings this season. Uh, Framber's a great pick. I think he's about to really take off. Uh, and then behind him, I look at a guy like Christian Javier in that bullpen, too, mm-hmm. that he was third in Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, and he can really he'll throw 94 right down the middle and you'll see a swing and miss and you'll be like the batter will turn around and be like i never saw that and the astros are just full of guys like that which is terrifying to think about given this dynasty that they've built that no one's really talked about yeah yeah all right let's end on this question and then we'll get into the matchups uh would the the team you'd be most surprised to win the world series Oh, Cleveland. I mean, hands down, Cleveland. They have the longest drought now since the Cubs won it back in 2016. Uh, Cleveland. I mean, it's youngest team in baseball. Wasn't even picked to win the division. Uh, You know, it was supposed to be the White Sox and the Twins who, quote-unquote, won the offseason. And if Cleveland won the World Series, you know, behind the guys that they traded to acquire uh, out of the Lindor trade a couple of years ago, them being a big piece of it, their homegrown pitching arms, Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber, that would be shocking, and it would be awesome for the sake of baseball uh, to see, you know, quote-unquote plucky, you know, this dumb cliche that we all use in sports right. media. But it, it's like this young team doesn't know any better, breaks the drought for Cleveland, and just shocks everybody because it would be a lot of fun to see Cleveland win the World Series, in my opinion. Because, it's like, because again, it hasn't happened since the 40s. They're a very... Uh, slap happy team they don't strike out they put the ball in play don't have a lot of power but they can pitch it man and you can pitch it you always got a chance yeah i uh would would love to see cleveland make a run i i think cleveland and seattle are are my adopted playoff teams although i'm still pissed at cleveland for uh for letting the cubs break their curse i, I don't know if i'll, I'll they ever blew quite a three get one lead man and like that's all we talked about in 2015, 2016, the Warriors. And then now, now, so the Warriors blow a 3-1 lead. And now Cleveland blows a 3-1 lead to Chicago. And, you know, David Ross and all, Rajay Davis's home run. You know, I bumped into Rajay actually in the press box last postseason. And Rajay just went back for the postseason this past weekend for the wild card. But he told me last year when I saw him, Rajay said, I haven't been back to Cleveland. And I was joking with him like, I hope you have never bought a beer in Cleveland ever again. He goes, I, I need to go back to find out. And Rajay is <laughs> one of the best dudes in baseball. I've known him for a long time. And that home run, I watch that home run about maybe maybe once or twice a month. Just hearing the Matt Vazgersian call too, the international feed call, not the Joe Buck call, where he goes, Santa Maria, and just loses his mind. I freaking love that call. And I love that moment for Cleveland. I would love to see it rocking like that again. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt the episode, but one more sponsor to thank, and that is Precision Pro Golf. The Trap Draw is brought to you by our friends at Precision Pro Golf, a proud partner of No Laying Up. Guessing your yardage isn't necessary anymore, and breaking the bank isn't either. At PrecisionProGolf.com, you can get reliable rangefinders or GPS speakers at an affordable price. The award-winning NX10 Slope Rangefinder offers golfers everything they will need in a rangefinder. We all have the NX10 on our bags, and has been a game-changer. Locking onto your target and getting a slope-adjusted distance is lightning quick. The magnetic cart mount and slope switch make using the NX10 as easy as pie. What stands out about the NX10 is the customization. At PrecisionProGolf.com, you can select from an ever-growing selection of interchangeable designs to attach to your rangefinder, like the City State Series or our very own No Laying Up skins. My personal favorite is Shrink the Game. Precision Pro is proud to offer a Youthon course design as well. 
Youth on Course breaks down barriers for kids by providing rounds of golf for as little as $5. You can support this awesome mission by adding the Youth on Course skin to your cart when purchasing a Precision Pro NX10 rangefinder. Precision Pro will then donate $10 to provide kids an opportunity to learn lessons that can be taught in a way only a golf course can. Improve your game, make golf easier by joining the Precision Pro family today with industry-leading customer service, lifelong free battery replacements, again, lifelong free battery replacements, and a 30% upgrade discount. Precision Pro Golf is the right choice for you. Head to precisionprogolf.com to find the right product for you or find out more on how they're working with youth on course to help give kids a chance to get on the course and learn the game. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Uh, well, let's dive into the matchups then. Um, we'll, we'll save Cleveland and New York. I want to start in the National League and let's go out west. The uh, we, we have an NLS, uh, an NL West battle, the Dodgers and the Padres. Two teams that are going to be very familiar with each other. Uh, the Padres actually struggled against the Dodgers this year, five and fourteen during the regular season. But give me, give me some of them overarching thoughts on this matchup. Uh, I, I'm just looking at the website now. It looks like neither team has officially named their starting pitcher yet, so we're still TBD on the starters. Uh, and this series will be on FS1, and and it'll be the late game on Tuesday. Yeah, when I look at it with the Dodgers, Urias and Kershaw have been informed who is going to be starting. So you got you know you're going to have two lefties go back to back. And when I look at San Diego's lineup, I mean Machado roasts lefties. Uh, they need to figure out the other guys, right? How's Cronenworth going to do? Bell, his better side is the right side. Uh, he has more power from the right side than he does the left side as a switch hitter. But then you got to figure out. I mean Soto's going to work counts against everybody. Is he going to have the power that he needs? And the other thing that I look at, Trent Grisham was obviously the hero of the wild card weekend for the the Padres against the Mets. He's left-handed. Is this just a flash in the pan? Is he going to keep things going? He's a great defender, but is he going to be able to get some speed? He can fly, too. Put some balls in play and make it work against a great pitching staff like the Dodgers have. And the big question, too, when it comes to the Padres is... There's an oddity in the schedule just this year in that the American League gets an extra day off between Game 1 and Game 2. So the National League does not have that. You won't be able to have your Game 1 starter go again until Game 4 uh, on on short rest, if you will, like you normally would see in a DS series. So are the Padres going to be able to... Are they going to throw Darvish here tomorrow? Are they going to throw... Uh, Clevenger, since he's now act, he will be. He's been cleared of COVID. He'll be active and ready to go on this roster. It remains to be seen on what they decide to do. And you obviously can't save arms this time of year, but they do need to figure out their best arms going forward. Joe Musgrove isn't going to pitch again probably till Game Three. So, and after he dominated the Mets last night, I would give him the ball every chance I can get. When's you Darvish going to pitch? So there's some questions with them. And as for the Dodgers, look, I mean that that lineup's so top heavy. Anybody would want it. Freeman, Betts, uh, I mean, it, Turner, Turner, like both Turners. It, it's <laughs> incredible that they keep getting away with this. And don't forget, and I know we like to, you know, a lot of sports media likes to trash on Cody Bellinger, but Belly has done it in the postseason. He wakes up in the postseason. Do not fall asleep on Cody Bellinger. Well, uh, let's stick with the Dodgers then. A couple follow-ups. Uh, just to, to put... 
their their greatness, I guess, uh, in perspective. They've in the last ten years they've won nine division titles. The one year that they finished second in the NL West, they won 106 games. Uh, this season, they they had the most wins in franchise history. They allowed the fewest runs in Major League Baseball. They scored the most runs. the the run The run differential was the best since 1939. The New York Yankees. I mean, this is this is heady heady territory for this Dodgers group. Um, yeah, I, I just go back to it's so difficult to see them getting beat, especially, I guess, in this series against the Padres. But but that's the thing about baseball, especially in a shortened five-game series. I, I guess you never you never say never, obviously. But, man, I, I would be shocked if, if the Dodgers lost uh, in the DS. It's amazing how important game one really is in these five-game series. I'm pretty sure I don't have the stat in front of me. I should, but the team who wins game one wins roughly 78% of the time. And I'm not saying that's a perfect percentage, but the reason why you need to win game one, especially as the underdog, as the Padres, you get you get the chance to clinch on your home field. Even if you lose game two, you get the chance to clinch at home in game four. But for the Dodgers, you just listed their whole resume. They have to win. They have to do what they're supposed to do against teams they're better than. And when I look at the trade deadline, and everyone said, oh, the Padres won the deadline. The Padres, they're coming after. Look, they were still 20 games back. So this is why the Dodgers still look at San Diego as a little brother. When I look at San Diego, this is this is the series they wanted, right? They wanted to face the you know the big brother that's dominated them up the road these last five, six years. They want to prove that 2020 wasn't a fluke. Because again, 60-game season and that they were a good team in 2020. Can they break through? And it is a momentum thing because they have all this momentum from the Mets series. Can they bring that forward against the Dodgers and Chavez Arena, which will be rocking, which will be fun, which is a pitcher's park, which both parks are pitcher's parks. So keep that in mind. You may see runs at a premium there. One guy that you certainly mentioned, Machado for the Padres, of course, their big deadline acquisition was Juan Soto, and he continued to get on base like he always does in a Padre uniform. the The batting average, the power, was was not quite there. Uh, he's a guy that that really gets hurt by the shift, I believe. I, I haven't checked that officially with the stats, uh, but we saw him, you know, on the biggest stage in the World Series for the Nationals. He he really showed up against the Astros. He's a guy that that kind of is sitting there as a wild card. You know he's going to relish the 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 opportunity, especially against the Dodgers in prime time in the spotlight. I, I think he could be the real X factor, perhaps of the series. He, he's absolutely an X factor. When I look back to his run in 2019 in the World Series, he hit 333 with nearly a 1200 OPS. He had three homers, two doubles in 2019, and as we all heard, that entire you know, postseason. He was only 20 years old. So now, this is his first time back to the postseason since 2019 when he won it all. He gets to be the guy now that's looked to of like, hey, him and, you know, for, for the looking at the rest of the team, Yu Darvish has pitched in a lot of big postseason games. Uh, Josh Hader has pitched in a lot of postseason games. You look at those guys like, hey, what should we be prepared for in a hostile environment? And Juan Soto is the perfect guy. He's going to be, oh, 
it's no big deal. I'm just gonna do the solo shuffle. <laughs> right. like, I'm a I'm a bit take pitch, and I'll I'll nod when I see a good curveball. Right, he'll he, he's got all his mannerisms in the box, man. That dude does not back down to anybody. I mean, it, it's a it's an old phrase in scouting that's heard from a lot of baseball old baseball heads. But it's like he's the kind of guy that his dick's been in the box for 15 minutes before he even gets <laughs> in the box. So it, it's a great great quote that I think about any time I hear Juan Soto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I guess the last thing on this series, you know, this this Padres bunch. Obviously, they're they're missing Tatis. He he was suspended for PED use. Uh, but they've they've seemed like a very loose bunch. You know, certainly like to have fun. They have the home run celebrations, et cetera, et cetera. So I I do think they they need to channel that, and and I hope it they can really use that in their favor because I I think. The looser they can be, obviously they're the underdog. Really embrace that role against the Dodgers. Uh, I, I think that could really be to their advantage. I, I forget who said this on MLB Network. I was watching yesterday, and they compared this year's Padres to last year's Braves in the fact that they're both wildcard teams. They're both insanely talented rosters, you know, but they're missing a superstar. Mm. Last year was Ronald Acuna Jr. dealing with his ACL. This year, it's Fernando Tatis Jr. with a suspension. So they're very similar teams and that their pitching should carry them. And we don't know much about the Padres' bullpen, aside from the guy at the end, Josh Hader, and he's really righted the ship in the last two months. It's going to be something where you're going to maybe see some young, a new night shift, if you will, pop up. You know, Braves fans certainly know about their night shift. And Nick Martinez, and looking at the rest of, of their, in the back end of the bullpen, it's just like, you know, maybe these aren't household names, but they get the job done. You didn't heard of Tyler. You hadn't heard of Tyler Matzik until last season. Uh, you look at that bullpen for the Braves. They got the job done. And if you don't know the names yet, you may in the future. So look out for the Padres bullpen here in the, against the Dodgers. Well, how about what's your official prediction? Can we get you on the record? Dodgers. <laughs> Dodgers. I'm sorry. I know I go all this <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, don't don't quit on them. Go. Look at the Dodgers. I mean, it's it's supposed to. Be, I picked the Dodgers. It's supposed to be the Dodgers. They need to prove it. And I, I still think it'll be close games. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the measure, but I've, I picked Dodgers in four. I like that. That's that's what That was my prediction. Very safe. Very safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you mentioned that the defending World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves, they are uh, – we have another divisional matchup in the division series. They are hosting the Philadelphia Phillies. Um this is an interesting one. You know, I let me start here. Do, do the Braves, have they gotten enough respect? Do, do people appreciate, you know, how good and young and, and full of young star talent that roster is? Uh, I, and I say that, that I, I admit that's kind of a weird question given that they did win the World Series last year. But, but I just feel like they get overshadowed by the Dodgers, uh, by the Yankees. Like, they're, they're not... When when you think of the best teams in baseball, I, I never go right to the Braves. And in your opinion, is that fair? It's unfair. I, I think I think you're on to something there. They are one of the best teams in baseball. No one's wanted to talk about them because of the Mets and because of the Grom and because of Scherzer. I mean, w- listen to this about their core, right? They have locked up Alex Anthopoulos is executive of the year. They have locked up their core. Listen to this. Kyle Wright through 2026. William Contreras through 2027. Ozzy Albies through 2027, Vaughn Grissom through 2028, Acuna through 2028, 
Spencer Strider till 2029, Matt Olson till 2030, Michael Harris till 2032, and Austin Riley till 2033. They ain't going anywhere, man. Buckle up for the Braves. It's, it's They're so good. I know. And it's really incredible, too, when you consider they, they lost Freddie Freeman. I, it, they just do such an exceptional job of bringing really high-caliber talent through their minor leagues. It's amazing, too, because I look at this team. It started so similarly to 2021's team, right? They started out ice cold. They were four games under 500 at the end of May. Think about that. They were four ga- They were 10 and a half games back of the Mets on May 31st. And you blink. They go from 23 and 27 to ending the year 101 and 61. That's insanity to... to the Mets played well, not well enough, obviously, last weekend against them head-to-head. But the Braves took it. The Braves went out and got it against a great team in the Mets. When I look out for them, they're going to beat you with offense. Their starting pitching has been shaky at times. We wait to see the health of Spencer Strider. Look, Max Reed is still going to be as dominant as ever. Kyle Wright's had a heck of a year that no one's talked about. And Charlie Morton still spinning it up there in his upper 30s. So yeah. it's... It's a team that very, I, I in my pick, and not to spoil it, but I, I have them winning the pennant. Like I think they're that good to do it again. It, it's an interesting group, too, because you mentioned uh, offensively. They, they, they are very good, obviously. They, they won 101 games. I mean, it, it, it's a very good roster. But, you know, for instance, I'm on their baseball reference page, and Austin Riley... Kind of the biggest bat. He he and Matt Olson at least home runs, RBIs, some of the traditional counting stats. Uh, but no, but no regular has an OPS over 900, which I think with a team that good, I think you would expect like okay, well they have to have a, a total stud or two. And, and of course Acuna can be that person. He's coming back from uh, from the major injury last year. But but it's just it's it's. It's interesting that it, it's kind of a lineup um, a little bit like, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. Like there's no easy out in the lineup, really. Uh, and and a lot of guys have just enough pop where, you know, I think of a guy like Dansby Swanson. He hit 25 home runs this year, right? And you just never quite know who's going to provide the spark night tonight is, is my sense of, of the Braves offense. And again, I preface all that. I, I'm not as in tune as you are, but I, I'm curious if you kind of feel similarly, I guess. It's a fair take because not only did they lead the national league in home runs, they also led the national league in strikeouts. So they do have times where they miss the barrel and they have struggled with that. But when, I look at Austin Riley. He had a really weird second half, really slowed down. I mean, for a while, it looked like he was going to finish third in the NL MVP. He's really slowed down. Matt Olson is not Freddie Freeman, nor does he want to be Freddie Freeman. And I told a lot of friends when that trade went down, I said, look, I I think the Braves got better by getting Matt Olson. Uh, He's younger, plays gold glove defense. Yeah, he's going to strike out more than Freddie Freeman did. He's going to hit for a lower average than Freddie Freeman does. But he's got more legitimate pop. He's going to hit just as many doubles as Freddie, which he did, 44 doubles this year, to go with 34 bombs. It's You're right. It's a great call that anybody in this order could tag you to go deep. And even with Acuna still dealing with issues from his knee and trying to get back to full strength, and they're not going to have Albies for this postseason because he broke his uh, a, a finger uh, on the stolen base. So that, that stinks. But 
it looks like Orlando Arcia has been a great plug and play for Brian Snitker. And I mean, I, I don't see the hole in this lineup. I really don't. Yes, they strike out a lot, but I don't see the hole. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk more about Spencer Strider, but we'll save some of that for, for the end of season awards. Um, mm-hmm. on, on the Philly side, I guess let's let's get your prediction. Do the Phillies have a chance? Do you like the Phillies? They had a little bit of a uh, a weird second half. You know, they they were probably the team that was fighting most to to just make it and, um, you know, have have some boomer bust in their lineup as well. I guess. I think this is a great matchup for Philly to have their best chance to win a series. I'm not saying they're going to, but. Their defense is atrocious. You know, we, we've talked about this all season long. The Phillies' defense is historically one of the worst defenses in all of baseball. But they've got the pitching that can get a lot of strikeouts. I look at Nola. Uh, I look at Wheeler. What they can do, even if they, they might have to go to Ranger Suarez here in this series. But, I mean, that's a really good rotation. They got Eflin now closing games since they don't have a true closer. Jose Alvarado's been nasty. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been nasty. They've got a little bit of an underrated bullpen, if you ask me. It's a good matchup for them against the Braves' bats, given they have a lot of swing and miss stuff, and their whole goal is to get you to swing and miss because they don't want you to hit it to their defense. And, in my opinion, if it were to devolve into a slugfest, the Phillies got the bats to keep up with the Braves. Yeah, they do. Uh, You can't say that about many teams. I mean, Kyle Schwarber hitting 40-something bombs this year. Like, Kyle from Waltham, if you will. Uh, Kyle just went nuts. And Bryce hasn't been the same since his broken hand, but I'm still afraid of Bryce Harper when he steps in the box. I look at JT Real Muto, a 20-20 year behind the plate. That's including 20 homers and 20 stolen bases. Reese Hoskins had 30 bombs this year. It, it, Nick Castellanos has had a down year by his standards, and by you know, you've seen him with the Reds. He can still tag one at any given moment. So I, I still think this team can match up well with the Braves, but I just think the Braves have too much talent overall that would overtake them. Yeah, Cassiano is probably the the key for me. That's a guy that when he gets hot, he it seems like he can carry a team for you know a week on end where he's just hitting rockets to the alleys. So if he can if he can find something, uh, I know the Braves. I believe they're starting. Is it Max Fried in in game one, a lefty? So maybe you know maybe Cassiano's can can take advantage of that righty lefty matchup, but. Uh, yeah. Uh so prediction I I'm feeling kind of the Braves again in 4. <laughs> I feel like that's super safe. Do you think it even gets to 4? What's what, how, how many games do you think this goes? I I think it goes 5 oh, actually. Okay. I, I I do see this going 5 because there's going to be a weird clunker in there somewhere I think in this series. I do think the Braves come out on top. I think the Phillies going to give them a run for their money, kind of freak them out a little bit. This is where I think that you come out flat series might be where it's like, wait, what, what's going on with the Braves? But then everyone calms down and they remember who they are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I still see the Braves winning, but I, I know I'm kind of out there for saying this is going to go five games. The Phillies don't know any better. You know, 11 years playoff drought. Uh, Rob Thompson's been a really done a really, really good job with them. I, I'm happy for a guy like Gene Segura, who has never played in the postseason until you know this past weekend. Over, you know, I think it's over 700 games, 800 games in his career without going into the postseason. They don't know any better. You know, they're playing with house money at this point. Let, let's see what they can do for Red October, if you will, out there in Philly. Shout out to our hitters in Philly. Yeah, I agree. I, I really expected the Cardinals to be in this place, but uh, the Phillies are here. I guess last point, the Braves, if, if you're curious about the season series, the Braves 
won that over the Phillies 11-8. So, you know, all pretty closer than expected, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty evenly matched. So, we'll we'll see. Should should be a good series. Um mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go to the American League. Let's start with the series you said you'll be working the Yankees and the Guardians. Uh, I I just love this matchup. It's it's the closest we're going to get to a David versus Goliath this postseason, I believe. I agree. That's a perfect description of this series. And don't worry, I'm not going to go curb Hurt Street on you here and like suddenly, oh, I have to abstain myself. No, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a statistician, eye in the sky kind of guy, man. Like. I, I have some thoughts. I have opinions. I watch a lot of baseball. But, like, look, the Guardians, they have it laid out for them. They're going to have Cal Quantrill on the mound here uh, against Garrett Cole. That is the definition of David versus Goliath. Cal, the son of a former big leaguer, Paul Quantrill, and Garrett Cole, the big mega free agent signing by the Yankees, the big bag Yankees, and Aaron Judge. And, you know, Yankee Stadium's going to be rocking. To this day, I've been I've been very blessed to be in a lot of postseason environments and, you know, really rocking crowds to this day. The 2018 wildcard game between the Oakland A's and the New York Yankees when Aaron Judge hit a home run off Liam Hendricks was the loudest stadium I have ever been in. And if that happens early to the Guardians where Judge hits one or Stanton hits one, whatever, oh boy, it, it you're going to hear it all the way in Denver. Uh, hold on. It, it is quite an environment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let me, let's, let's start, I guess, with the Guardians. Um, I know you hate the word plucky, uh, so we won't call them plucky. It's true, though. It's a perfect descriptor <laughs> of these guys. But they are a bit plucky. Uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, like you said, absolutely an MVP candidate. Um, I, I think if you don't know about him, what his game is, uh, please rectify that. He he is clearly the star of the Guardians. But I just wanted to point out a couple other guys. Like Stephen Kwan is a rookie. Mm-hmm. I think I... I, I you know, he's a guy that's so much fun. He's he's a little bit of a throwback in that he walked more than he struck out this year. Just a, a very prototypical bat on ball type of uh, type of hitter. A guy like Josh Naylor, DJ Pihowski, who I know you know and uh, is is the biggest baseball fan amongst the NLU crew. And Casey, she's a big Phillies fan. Shout out Casey. Uh, he loves Josh Naylor, the first baseman. Uh, Big guy, you know. I think he's five eleven, like two fifty. Uh, heavier guy. Um, I, I'm trying to think on on the pitching. Well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, they've got some personalities. Like Naylor's a great example. James Karinchak coming out of the bullpen is a great example too. Of two guys that will let you know how they're feeling. Like they will let out a let's fucking go. They will let out a you know a tribal scream no matter what ballpark it's in. Like I, I look back to Josh Naylor when he had those two, like he had the game tying homer and then the winning homer on the road in Chicago uh, against the White Sox earlier this year, insanity. And he's just screaming his ass off, rounding the bases. He's awesome. Karen Chak's the guy, like you know, he he puts his arms up, like give me, show me love, like give me some more, and like he's gonna really have to adjust in a New York environment. But yeah. sign me up for that, man. Like I said, like like I said with the Phillies. They don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, asked me earlier about like who's somebody that can steal the hearts. Like, I think Naylor could be a guy that could steal a lot of hearts of people that haven't watched him this season. Cause if he hits a bomb into the short right field porch, he's gonna act like he hit it five hundred feet. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you mentioned Cal Quantrill going game one, but really the the two best pitchers for the Guardians, Shane Bieber. He's awesome. Uh he did not pitch though in uh 
last postseason. So I know he pitched well in the wild card series, but uh, he really threw up a clunker. So I, I'm I'm curious to to see how he does against the Yankees. And then Tristan McKenzie is a guy just such a loose, fast arm, uh, kind of a skinny guy, young kid, but really kind of is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, really, kind of skinny. I really like watching him pitch. He's awesome because Tristan, you know, homegrown guy, came up in the organization. And uh, I was listening to Jim Rosenhaus, uh, one of the analysts for, or one of the radio hosts for Cleveland on their radio with Tom Hamilton. And he had an interview with Tristan before game two. And Tristan, I, I've heard interviews with him. He's a great, great, great dude. Really a big fan of his. But he talked about how he was just drafted in 2016 and watching that World Series how cerebral and how in the moment he was of like, I want to be there. Like, I cannot wait to do this with Cleveland. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him when he does get the ball in what would be game three in Cleveland. So I'm really excited to see what he and Shane Bieber can do. Remember, Bieber had that one clunker in 2019 against these Yankees, uh, or, or in uh, 2020, if I'm not mistaken, actually, yes. in the uh, shortened season, um, and had a really, really weird go of it that, the Yankees were very patient with him, forcing him to throw strikes. And the reason why he was so successful against the Rays is that he was getting them to chase. His cutter slider mirrored each other very, very well. He was tunneling it, to use a, a modern baseball term, dotting fastballs. When you have command and you throw 94, it's like people say, like, how are you not hitting 94? Like, look, when you have command and you're hitting your spots, it's just as hard to hit as 98. And when you tunnel that, when you you know, show like, hey, it looks like a fastball. Surprise, it's cutter and it bends off the zone. And with all these power hitting righties that the Yankees have, Shane Bieber's going to have to be on his game with that game plan against New York. Well, then let's let's turn over to the Yankees. It just is worth repeating how great of a season Aaron Judge had this year. I mean, put it into context, like not hyperbole to say one of the greatest offensive seasons ever. Yeah, it's not hyperbole at all. And I think anyone who says, and I, I've struggled with it a lot too. Per, people who know me know that I've struggled with this MVP vote all season. But at some point, you just got to sit down and be like, look, this dude's done something that hasn't been done in 61 years. He's doing it in the biggest media market in the world. He's doing it on the most famous baseball team in the world. He's doing it with no help whatsoever on this team. And still, he's doing it in a walk year. Yeah, like he's a he turned down a significant salary that he thought he was worth more, and he said, "I'm gonna go put up good numbers." And all of that, he has been great with the media. He knows what to say. He's very down to earth, and he he's a Jeter, and I I use that lightly, but also accurately because look, Jeter didn't play in the social media age, and I was joking about this with some of the other day. It's like, look. Jeter played in the social media age with his dating roster. Imagine all the questions that he was going to be getting. Yeah. Aaron Judge got a fiance. He's down to earth. He's low key. You don't see him out and about. Like he's just doing his thing. And for baseball to have a superstar like that, put up the numbers like he put up. Because every year that he's been healthy, he's been on the fringes of doing something like this. He's going to be the guy that, unfortunately, is not going to see a single strike in this series. I mean, he, he's going to get walked. He's going to get pitched around. You're going to have to be patient with him because, like I said earlier, the pressure's on everybody but Aaron Judge on the Yankees to pick up Judge because he's inevitably going to be walked a ton, intentionally or pitched around, because they are not going to let Judge beat him. Which is, is it's just a weird thing to wrap your head around because, of course, the Yankees spend a ton of money. Their lineup is dotted with 
big names, former all-stars, you know, your, your Rizzo's and your Josh Donaldson's and your Giancarlo Stanton's. And yeah, when you really look at the seasons those guys had, it's like there, there's not a ton of help for Judge, which to your earlier point really puts into perspective how much he carried the load offensively. And furthermore, on the bullpen side, I mean, we saw the headlines this weekend. Araldus Chapman is going to be left off the roster yeah. due to failing to report for the workout day, and he's about to be a free agent. What a disaster. He continues to be as far as a human being and as far as a baseball player. Uh, it, it's just crazy to have that much talent. I mean, you. I mean, shoot, he was dominant with the Reds and looked like the, the king of the world for a while, and mm-hmm. it's just been a weird run for him ever since, obviously, the domestic violence a suspension in 2016, then it still gets traded to the Cubs and wins the World Series and goes right back to the Yankees and free agency. And we've probably seen our final pitch of out of a role as Chapman in a Yankees uniform. But Clay Holmes has been injured. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. Zach Britton's going to be out. He re-injured himself. There are question marks in this bullpen for the Yankees, which may be their Achilles heel here in this series against Cleveland. And then shout out to the, the the poor poor Pirates fans. You know it's gotta hurt watching Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyon just you know kind of the and Clay Holmes and Clay. That's right. Oh God, I the Pittsburgh fans. I I feel your pain deeply, deeply feel your pain. It's, it's sad out there, man. It's just so. I love PNC Park. I I love Key Brian Hayes. I love Brian Reynolds, but in O'Neill Cruz, I mean he torched the Brewers this year, but like. Is it going to click? When is it going to click? This can't last forever. Like, yeah. I don't see them having a Baltimore year next year, but uh, pour one out for your homies in Pittsburgh. Pour out a yingling for your homies in Pittsburgh. Uh, all right. Well, you said you didn't have to abstain like Herb Street. What's your prediction for the series? I think this is going to be the series to watch. Um, I'm thrilled to be and honored to be working with Hall of Famer Bob Costas, Ron Darling, and Lauren Shahadi on this one. Uh, this is going to be a great series. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to pick the Yankees, but I think every game is close. I'm going to pick the Yankees in four. I think it's going to be a well-pitched series, low scoring, which is what nobody's expecting. I mean, look at what Cleveland just did against, you know, the Rays. They they get the two-run homer from J-Ram in game one. Then they go 15 innings scoreless before a home run from Oscar Gonzalez. So expect low scoring, even though you're facing the Yankees, because I think Cleveland's pitching is enough to hold up against the Yankees' big bats. I, uh, yeah. I'm taking the Guardians in five. I for for what you mentioned, Ooh. I think they're going to refuse to let Judge beat them. I have a lot of faith in in Bieber and McKenzie. Um, I think Terry Francona, a guy who's no stranger to Yankee Stadium, leading teams into Yankee Stadium. Uh, the Guardians are the hottest team in baseball. I think they they're on like a 26 and six run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I think I think it's Cleveland and it may spell the end of the Aaron Boone era in New York if it is. And not just Aaron Boone. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Brian Cashman too because I'm not saying he's going to leave right before you have the most important contract negotiation in the past 10 years for the Yankees. But look, I mean, the Yankees have to re-sign Judge. He is a New York Yankee. Yes. They should make him a New York Yankee for life. The problem is, I mean, as we've seen in baseball, that small market teams are just as competitive as big market teams. So spending money doesn't guarantee that you're going to win a World Series no matter how much you pay one guy. So when you look at it, for Tito Francona, I'm glad he brought up Terry. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself for not bringing up Tito. 
He's the best manager in baseball. I don't hesitate saying that. He is the best manager in baseball. He's the longest tenured manager in baseball for a reason. Everybody loves Tito. You mentioned it. He broke the curse of the Bambino with the Red Sox. He is the like the best. I love Tito. I'll be rooting like hell for him. He's a great, great, great person. Uh, he's been battling some health issues as of late, too. This team loves him. You're never out of it when Terry Francona is your manager, so keep that in mind. Very true. And for the Yankee haters, I will say Cleveland, youngest roster in baseball I read, fourth began the year with the fourth lowest payroll in baseball. So, again, a real David and Goliath. So if you're, if you're anti-Yankees, like I tend to be, I, I won't sugarcoat that. I always enjoy rooting against the big market teams. I think, I think Cleveland's your team. I, I think you definitely have to be a Guardians fan. It's a good choice. And then more the next team we're going to talk about, the Seattle Mariners. All right. Well, let's go there. Houston, they uh, they host or they have home field advantage. They'll be hosting games one and two against the Mariners. I, I know I said I, I'm really looking forward to Cleveland, New York. I think that's Cleveland, New York's the most fascinating matchup just because of the dichotomy of, of a lot of the things we just mentioned. I think this Houston-Seattle series could be the most fun matchup of the divisional series. Uh, curious. Without a doubt. Yeah, go ahead. Curious your your initial thoughts here. Oh, man. Sign me up. Look, I'm, a, I'm an AL West apologist. Uh, Oakland A's guy for a long time. Rangers guy for a long time. Uh, it's, oh, man. Like, seeing Seattle in the postseason, first time since 2001. Shoot, I had... I had an Ichiro jersey growing up. I was obsessed <laughs> with Ichiro, and I was obsessed with the Mariners, even though like they were in our division growing up Rangers days. Like, like why, why would you like Ichiro? Because he's the best. Yeah. Like, I love Ichiro. And the fact that they haven't been back to the, to the postseason since Ichiro's rookie year is just mind-blowing to me. They've come close, but this year they finally got through another team that I, I used it earlier with Cleveland and using it uh, with other teams like they don't know any better like they're just gonna go in there and play and they have the makings of a bona fide superstar in Julio Rodriguez uh, I got to meet Julio a few years ago at the 2019 fall league uh, I mean incredible dude like he just gives you the time of day understands everyone like in the journalism side has a job to do speaks perfect English speaks perfect Spanish you've heard the story by now that he learned English by watching MLB Network uh, it's a, it's a crazy awesome story. He's just born to play baseball, and he put on a show in the Home Run Derby. He's going to be leading off this lineup. He can get on base in a variety of ways. He's one of only three players in baseball to be in the 95th percentile or higher in both hard hit rate and sprint speed. He is the true mix of speed and power, and he's exactly the guy you want to be easily to root for. He's got a million-dollar smile, and the rest of that team gravitates from his energy. J.P. Crawford is a fun, fun, fun shortstop. Your boy A. Eugenio Suarez has had a great year yep. with the skunk hair. Uh, I look at that bullpen. They've got a bunch of guys that maybe you haven't heard of. Andres Munoz, uh, Paul Seawald have had incredible seasons. And I mentioned earlier, Ty France is going to hopefully put a couple in, in the in the Crawford boxes in Houston. I, I really, really love the Mariners team to match up against Houston. And I say all that. Oh, by the way, Houston is maybe... This is maybe the best team they've had in these five years. So it's not going to be easy for Seattle. Yeah, ton ton of, uh, I, I think, inherent pressure on the Astros for that reason. They, they are fully in the midst of a very competitive window. Uh, I... I the Mariners, I, you know, I did notice. Let me start here. I did notice you left out the Astros. Of course, not a traditional AL West team, but uh, true. They, You're right. Are, NL Central days. Yes, they are very hateable, though. I, I still can't get over all the cheating stuff. I mean, they are a team that I 
find myself easily rooting against. And I'm not sure if you share that sentiment. So it's complicated for me, right? So it's, I used to work for the Astros back in 2019 in double A with the Corpus Christi hooks. Um, you know, was in spring training actually in 2020 before the world shut down, you know, that following after the, the report came out and the, all the allegations were put out and, you know, the science dealing trash can, I was there in spring training for all of that. And, you know, they've had their day of reckoning these last two seasons. I still believe that Altuve did not use it. I still believe them when I say that. Uh, I believe the story of AJ Hinch destroying the monitors when he found out about it. Um, Jeff Luno will never get another job in baseball ever again. I'm glad that AJ Hinch has got a job in baseball because I think he's a you know a good dude and should be given a second chance. And I understand it's complicated for a lot of folks with the sign stealing scandal. They probably they absolutely not probably they absolutely took it too far stealing signs electronically. But be on the lookout for you know with the new pitch com and if it malfunctions like. Are you going to see shortstop suddenly standing in front of the guy on second base, like trying to stop sign stealing? Like, this is something that has happened for literally over 100 years in baseball. Uh, there's legendary stories of a wire being run underneath a field all the way to the coach's box where it buzzes there. I mean, it's like if you're going to get mad about sign stealing, like you got to look at every single instance of it and realize like this is kind of part of the fabric of the game. Am I forgiving the Astros? No, but it's been five years. It's a, the roster is almost completely turned over. It's time to move on. And quite frankly, they're just as good without it as they were with it. Yeah. Well, and people know I'm a Reds guy. So the silver lining of an Astros winning the World Series would be the first World Series as a manager for Dusty Baker, who Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of. I respect him tremendously. I, I think he's a great manager. Uh Though I will be rooting for Seattle. You mentioned Eugenio Suarez, such a fun guy. Jesse Winker, who has not had a great year. Um, hopefully he gets you know a, a big moment or two this postseason, a former Red. And then Luis Castillo, a guy that I yep. really, really enjoyed watching in Cincinnati. The Reds never really gave him the opportunity to be that true number one in a playoff-type fashion. So, so excited to see Obviously, he pitched really well against the the Blue Jays in the wild card round. Um, really excited to to see how he fares in some of these big spots. So, um, yeah. As far I guess the only other thing is like it just continues to amaze me how good Jose Altuve is. I, you know, just every year I, I think he's got about a 900 OPS again this year. It's 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 rather ho hum, which is. Uh, about the highest compliment I think I could give to somebody. This dude's always been a great hitter. This dude's always been great. And I'm not going to get into the argument of 2017, should he have won the MVP over Judge. That's a that's a whole other podcast for another day because you can point to a lot of stuff saying Judge deserved that MVP. Sign-stealing stuff aside. But when you look at Altuve, shoot, he hit 300 again. First time he's hit 300 since 2018. He's got a 921 OPS. Low key at 28 homers. He hits a bunch of leadoff homers. You know, don't, you know, he's Mighty Mouse, right? He's he's a short dude. He hits bombs and he can run it out. He grinds hard. He plays good enough defense. He's our next chance in baseball for somebody to get 3,000 hits because, I mean, he's at 1935. Obviously, postseason hits don't count, but he's 32 years old and he needs another, a little over 1,000, which by his rate would be about six or seven seasons for him to get to 2,000 hits, or 3,000 hits, which that's, it's going to be interesting, I think, down the road when all these people who have been hating Altuve 
are now rooting for him to get the 3,000 hits. Kind of like, you know, a lot of folks who have hated Albert Pujols because he has tormented their fan bases for so many years, i.e. the Houston Astros and the St. Louis Cardinals, obviously, when the ball that Pujols hit in 2005, it still hasn't come yes. down. Uh, the, the thought is, like, Altuve has been putting up numbers still with every single road city booing the crap out of him. He has rolled with it in stride. He's been an incredible player. Uh, I think he means well. I believe him when he said he didn't use the sign stealing. And uh, he, he's going to beat you some way, shape, or form. He can steal a base on you if you're not paying attention. He's a great player to watch and root for. Yeah. Uh, would be remiss, I guess, not to shout out the season Jordan Alvarez put up as well. I mean, 187 OPS plus is is fantastic. And then, yeah, we, we kind of touched on their pitching, but I, I think that's what fascinates me the most outside of Verlander. Just not real household names yet. Uh, and I think this is the type of postseason, the type of environment where a lot of these guys can cement themselves uh, in the minds of, you know, the more casual baseball fans, the people that don't watch the Astros day in and day out. Yeah, they, they have to figure out what they're going to do in the middle innings if they need that. Because isn't it kind of funny that so far on the wildcard weekend, we've seen starters go deep, which is not something we've seen. So we've had five starters pitch into the seventh inning so far over the weekend. We only had four the entire postseason in 2021. So that's an interesting development of, you know, we think of the postseason as battle of the bullpens. Managers pulling their starters way too soon. We might see a course correction in that in the other direction. You know, Dusty's going to let his guys go. JV is going to be let go. Framber is going to be let go. Maybe not so much with McCullough still coming back from injury, but they still got Javier available. They've got Urquidy available. They've got, they are built by their starting staff. And then the back end of the bullpen, Ryan Stanek, Ryan Presley, Hector Neris. I mean, these guys no hit the Yankees earlier in the year. I mean, they're, they're, there's nothing to sleep on in this pitching rotation. And just because they're the Astros, people hate them naturally, but they're still a great team. Yeah, yeah, they are. Begrudgingly, they are a very, very, very good baseball team. Uh, what's your what's your prediction for the series? I think this one goes five. I think Seattle's going to be rocking. But again, as I alluded to earlier, I'm picking chalk. I picked the Astros in five. I, I agree. As much as my heart wants the Mariners, the, the head says the Astros. I'll take this one in four. Um, I, I didn't fail to mention so that the American League Divisional Series, those will be on TBS. The Seattle-Houston game will be the early uh, mid-afternoon game, Tuesday the 11th, and then the Yankees and Guardians will be at 7.30 Eastern on TBS. So, And don't blame TBS for the weird off day between Game 1 and Game 2. That's not our call. That, that That's Major League Baseball. I'm staying out of that. It's a weird schedule. There's a couple non-travel days because of the lockout. It's it's a mess, but don't blame TBS for the extra off day between Game 1 and Game 2 of the DS this week. I, and I will say, I believe it's the the championship series where should they go seven, I don't know if it's both leagues, but I know one of them will have to play five days consecutively. Essentially, games three through seven will all be in a row, which I do love. That's correct. That'll be the American League. Okay. So what's going to happen is, because I'm working the ALCS, is that once they travel to the ALCS city for game three, oh, that'll be Saturday the 22nd, they'll play the three games like you normally, because it's 2-3-2 two, two in baseball. You play the three games, and if they force it back to the higher seed city, 
there is no travel day between game five and game six. So that means, like you said, they're going to be playing those games consecutively. As I've been talking to my bosses at uh, at, at Turner, like, hey, uh, how you, how you handling the logistics of all this? And they're like, don't talk to me. Right. So uh, kudos, you know, pour one out for your crewing manager, pour one out for your tech managers, man. Like, this is a stressful time of year. And oh, by the way, there's trucks moving for college football, for NFL. Right. Uh, basketball season's right around the corner. So there's there's a lot happening in my end of the world, the behind the scenes, in the truck world. So uh, it, it's, look, we're not perfect. It's an amazing job. But there are so many brilliant people that you never hear from and have no idea do amazing work to get these games on the air. So I just wanted to give a mini shout out to, I mean, we employ so many people that do what seem like small roles to the outside, but to all of us in the truck, we know we cannot survive without these roles. It's an amazing, amazing operation for everyone, for Fox, for Turner, for ESPN, whomever it may be. This is the time of year that they earn their keep. Well, amen. I'm glad to. I'm glad that you shouted them out. And I will say that uh, coast to coast potential with a New York Seattle series mm-hmm. uh, really. Oh, trust me, we've talked about. I was going to say really brings that travel component into play potentially. So that will that will certainly be something to keep an eye on. Uh, well, Dom, let's. Uh, you're taking chalk in the divisional series. Let me put on your prognosticator hat. How do you see the championship series and the World Series going? Who Who do you like in the end? So let's let's start with the American League. So I have the Astros uh, going up against the Yankees. Uh, the brilliant rematch. That's what every executive wants, right? All of this history between these two teams, 17, 19, and now here, hopefully again in 2022. I'm still taking the Astros. I mean, it, I think they're that good. I think the pitching will hold up. They've done it before. And I know I talked about Yankee Stadium being loud, but like, it's nothing uncommon to the Astros. And they've already gone in there and shut them down. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Astros can do going back to the World Series. And then for the National League side, I alluded to it earlier. I got a rematch. I've got Braves Astros once again in the World Series. I think it would be an epic, epic finish. I've got the Braves beating the Dodgers because you know something wacky is going to happen with the Dodgers. There's questions about their closer. We don't know if Trinan's going to be available. They have a good bullpen, don't get me wrong, but weird things happen where it's like Kershaw's back seizes up, and I never wish an injury on anybody. But you know, we saw Max Scherzer's next seize up for the Nationals in 2019. Weird things happen to teams, and when you're in it enough, weird things are bound to happen to the Dodgers. So... Uh, there's been enough scar tissue for me to not pick them. So I've got a rematch of the Astros and the Braves in the World Series. And then maybe a coin flip from there? or It's a coin okay. flip, man. It, it's going to be another epic World yeah. Series. Uh, I I mean, I know it's easy to just sit here and say, yeah, it's going to go seven. But I, I really haven't given it enough thought if it goes that far. But I actually did pick the Houston Astros in my preseason show, in my pre-postseason show. Oh, to yeah, say you got to stick with that. The Astros are going to validate. Yeah. It. They're going to they're they're going to win and, you know, finally put 2017 in the rearview mirror. Everybody can shut up about it. Um I think the Astros are that good. They've got the team built for it and I'd be especially thrilled for Dusty Baker to get it done. Well, I think it's going to be I'll 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 change slightly. Give me Dodgers versus Astros and it's probably like the least favorite World Series matchup from a personal standpoint, just two very smart, very deep-pocketed teams. Uh, in that case, I will be with you. I will uh, root purely for Dusty Baker and the Astros. So I'll, I guess I will, I'll join you there. Uh, before I get you out of here, Dom, I want to just hand out 
a, a few regular season awards and a couple that I just made up myself. But let's start with the MVP. Where do you shake out the American League MVP? I think that's the race everybody's looking at between Judge and Otani. Uh, who I, and I don't know. Do you have a vote? I do not. Okay. have Okay, I'm not a member of the Baseball Writers Association. Okay. I'm just a nerd that sits. In well, the booth. if by chance you came into a vote, who would you give it to this year? Yeah, look, I, I alluded to it a, a second ago. Judge is going to be the MVP. Is he deserving of it? 100, no question. There is no wrong answer here. And Yankees fans may be shouting, "Yes, there is, Dom. It's Aaron Judge and Aaron Judge alone." This is the perfect example of the type of season it takes to knock off Shohei Otani. Because by every stretch of measurement and everything that we use to measure value and to measure you know, how a player performs, and war is a tough thing to use for Otani. War for Judge has been incredible. You know, He's the highest wins above replacement of anybody. We will not go numb to what Shohei Otani has done, but I think this sets a fair standard of what it's going to take. If he performs like this every year, it's like, hey, you, you got to do something absolutely insane for you to knock off Shohei Otani. Like, Vlad nearly won the Triple Crown last year. He fell off late, but you know he was the American League home run leader. He was you know RBIs on a great team, but didn't make the playoffs. But Otani was still unanimous in 2021. I don't think Judge will be unanimous in 2022. I'm intrigued to see how many first-place votes Otani is going to get. But yeah, it, it, it's going to be Judge. If I had a vote, and if I was going three deep, it would be Judge, Otani, Alvarez. It's hard. God, it's hard. Every part of my being wants to give it to Otani just to reinforce how completely I'm struggling for the word. It's just amazing when you really drill down and look at what he's done this year on the offensive side and as a pitcher. Uh, it just boggles my mind. But that said... It, it, it's We can't compute it because we can't compare it to anything, exactly, right? Exactly. And the only other time this has happened in big league history, the guys were throwing 80 miles an hour, nobody knew what a slider was, and guys were swinging in the first two pitches, right? We have so much information, so much... Like, I joke about it all the time, but it's true. Like, Babe Ruth would, you know, would shit his pants if he saw a modern-day curveball. You know, if he saw 99 at his eyeballs. You know, if, if he saw Roldis Chapman out there on the mound, prime Roldis Chapman, like, what did I just see? That's not, you know, downplaying what Babe Ruth did in his era. But for Shohei to be doing this at the best the game has ever been played, that is worth something. And that's what you're getting at. I I, it is. It is. It's, you know, just on the, on the, on the hitting side for Otani, right? You know, 34 home runs, 95 RBIs, 145 OPS plus. That puts him at least in the top 10 most years for an MVP, right? It's like, man, mm -hmm. great offensive season. You know, slap his back, tell him you're proud of him. But it's like, oh, wait, no, no, no. He also pitched 166 innings with 219 strikeouts. Uh, a uh, where is a one a one seventy two ERA plus? I mean a, a FIP a, a fielder independent um, a fielding independent ERA of two point four. It, it's just incredible, and I think if you look at that pitching line alone, it's like well he should easily be a top ten Cy Young guy, and to have those occurring simultaneously, it melts my mind. But with that said, you look at the season Aaron Judge had. 
and you put it in a historical context. I, I was listening to Joey Votto was in the booth a lot for the Cincinnati Reds uh, down the stretch. He was out for the year. Love me some. Yeah, Joey. he was out for the year with an injury, and and he was saying, "Listen, it's it's one of the ten best offensive seasons in the in the history of baseball." And yes, hearing that and knowing all the great seasons, all the great players, it's like, wow, yeah, that. That is that is special. So I'm going to take a very cowardly route. I'm not. I don't know who my pick would be, and I think both are deserving. I honestly think they should tie for it. Give it to them both. It, it, I had this conversation with a few broadcasters this last week. It's like if it, it was an award for the best player, it goes to Otani, but it's the MVP award, and we can have this discussion every year. Like, what's the <laughs> definition of the award? Yada yada. But it's like, look, there isn't a wrong. There isn't a wrong answer. They're both great. Whereas when I look at 1947, and you know, call me old, whatever. When I look at 1947, Joe DiMaggio versus Ted Williams. Ted Williams won the Triple Crown that year, but was not on a playoff team. Wasn't on the. He was on the Red Sox. You know, the Yankees. You know, post World War II with the grace of the class, and that was also the year that DiMaggio had his 56 game hitting streak. DiMaggio won the MVP that year. And now, you know, looking back, you know, almost 70, 75 years later, it's like, wait a minute. We probably should have gone to Ted Williams. I think in 75 years, when we look back on this, we'll be like, yeah, yeah you can go either way in this because it, it, like I said, it sets a standard for what needs to knock off Otani for what he's done. We're not going numb to it. We're not disagreeing that he's had an incredible season. And finishing second, John Carlos Stanton had a great quote when he lost the MVP by like four votes a couple of years ago when he was chasing 60. He was like, look, I was better than 700-something other baseball players, and I just got beat by one, right? that That's an incredible honor in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the National League is not nearly... It's interesting, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts, but it's not... Not nearly as historic. I think a couple of St. Louis teammates will be curious. You know, people always talk about, will they split the yep. vote? Uh, you have Manny Machado out in San Diego. Who else do you like in the National League race? Who, who's your vote? It's very important to remind listeners that the ballots have already been submitted. The ballots were submitted before the postseason began so that there's nothing the postseason can do to influence somebody's decision. So keep that in mind as you watch the playoffs this year and that when the vote is revealed in November, Wait, how did how did you know if Goldschmidt or Arenado win the uh, NL MVP? It's like wait, they they choked in the playoffs. They were one for sixteen combined against the Phillies. Like how did they get it? It's like well, look, Goldschmidt definitely fell off in the last month and a half or so. He's had a very odd second half of the season. He looked like he was going to be a runaway candidate for it in the first three and a half four months of the season. Nolan Arenado has been a model of consistency all season long. His WAR and Goldschmidt's WAR are vir- virtually identical. I look at if you want to, if you care about defense, obviously Arenado has the the edge on that over Goldschmidt. And then, oh by the way, Manny Machado on a playoff team, and some of his numbers got hurt because he had a rolled ankle in the middle of the season, the middle of the summer, and for about three weeks' time, while he was playing through that injury, trying to let it heal, his numbers suffered a little bit. But he's bounced back since then. And until they got Juan Soto, he was carrying that team power wise. And again, defense, if you like defense, Manny Machado is a great pick. And then you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, Dom, what about Austin Riley? You know, the best hitter on the, you know, maybe the best team in the National League. Or what about Mookie Betts? What about, there's, the NL is very deep, it's very clumped at the top, but I can't ignore four and a half months of body of work from Paul Goldschmidt, in my opinion. I'm going to give it to Goldschmidt, Arenado goes second, and then my third spot, I actually give it to Machado, because I, I think it's been an incredible year for him. 
people want, like to make Machado the villain that I think he's grown out of that role uh, since 20, uh, 2018 when he was with the Dodgers, or 2019 when he was, 2018 with the Dodgers, uh, when they beat up on the uh, Brewers, of course, and tripping Jesus Aguilar and throwing his bat at Josh Donaldson when he was the Orioles. I think he's grown out of that. So I want to give Machado my third vote. I, and you know, I was I was trying to think about this. I actually, the more I think about it, I like Machado, and maybe that's some bias. I I, I hate the Cardinals, but I, I I think. And again, I know this doesn't fit neatly on Baseball Reference, or you can't really quantify it. But losing Tatis with the PEDs, it's it's a team Absolutely. that had high expectations. They they've been built to compete. For him to really shoulder the load throughout the year, uh, he's got some really nice round counting numbers. You know, he's got the 100 runs, the 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, pretty much 900 OPS. He, he plays a great third base. I like Machado, but I, I do recognize Arenado. Arenado's just so dang steady, I, and I think it almost hurts him a little bit where all of his seasons kind of look the same. So it's it's hard to get excited about this year, for instance, because it's like, well, it's just like every other year he has. Mm-hmm. And Goldschmidt, yeah, for the reasons you said, he was a tear for most of the season. But but I will lean into that word valuable, and that's, I guess, why I would uh, vote for Machado. But um, I think it's a good pick. I, I'm intrigued to see how many first place votes, because you mentioned the splitting the vote. That's a real concern this year in the National League vote. For some guys that and guys and gals of writers that I've talked to, they are they were struggling down to the wire of like, man, the definition of it, how many stats I mean, you can stats my my dad has said this and a lot of folks have said this for a long time. Stats are like bikinis, right? They show you a lot, <laughs> but they don't show you That's everything. Great. And you can use different types of bikinis on different types of players, and you're gonna see something that you like and you don't like depending on who you put it on. So the truth is there is a stat that you can use for Machado to be the MVP. There's a stat you can use for Arenado. There's a stat you can use for Goldschmidt. So it really does come down to a body of work. At the end of the day, it's very tough to figure this stuff out. And that's why you know the Baseball Writers Association has such a, a tremendous uh, task and responsibility of doing their best to get it right. And I know every single one of them take it very, very, very seriously. Well, let's do Cy Youngs then. Let's let's go to the pitching side. Uh, we'll- well, this would be the easiest one, though. So and we'd spend all that time on MVP. It's Cy Young is going to be uh, yeah. so easy. Well, American League, What's uh, I guess then give me your top three. Justin Verlander, hands down, has to win the Cy Young. Uh, it, it, he's got the innings qualified. It, it's vesting option. Didn't know how he's going to be coming back from Tommy John. He's been the best pitcher. It, it's Justin Verlander, 100%. Number two, I give it to Dylan, Dylan Cease. Uh, it's a shame the White Sox didn't get it done. Um, he's still something to be very excited for. Moving forward into 2023 as the anchor of that rotation, and third, I I, I flip flopped on this a lot because I've seriously considered giving the third spot to Otani, but I think he'll end up finishing top five. I don't think I would give my third spot to him. But man, as I look around the league, it's there is no bona fide third candidate, if you will, for the American League Cy Young because we all know it's going to go to Verlander, right? But when you look at the rest of the league. Could it be Alec Manoa, or could it be you know a, a Nestor? Could it be Shane McClanahan, who was the first half Cy Young, right? So there's no no doubt. But for me, I give it to Alec Manoa as my third Cy Young in the AL. Which I think the interesting thing is that is is that a guy like Garrett Cole is not has not performed up to where he would be a top three 
Cy Young guy. And, and he's still been a, a very good pitcher, uh, but for what they're paying him, I think they expect him to be one of those automatic top three Cy Young guys. And if he's not, that's where the postseason really becomes super important because really you're getting a guy like that to help you win World Series. And so he had, I mean, I hate to say it, you know, a 200 inning pitch, 250 plus strikeout season as like so-so, but and set a Yankees record for strikeouts right. in a season. But that just goes to show how good he is. It, it was kind of a so-so yes. year for him. Uh, but I think it's it's interesting that you know he's he's the three hundred million dollar man and not really a top three Cy Young guy this year. Uh, it's just it puts pressure on him to perform in the postseason, in my opinion. Yeah, a team can get you to the postseason, but a starter can carry you to the World Series. And that's what they're depending on from Garrett Cole for the next three weeks or so. They need him to perform like the guy they signed for, like the guy that performed with the Astros for all those years. Garrett Cole has a lot of pressure on him. Like I said earlier, everybody but Aaron Judge has the pressure on them for the Yankees this postseason. Those are the guys that I look to for 2022. The Yankees, the Yankees have at least got to play for a pennant. They'd love to get to the World Series, but like I said earlier, I don't think they have enough to get uh, the commissioner's trophy back to New York. And we're going to be hearing 27 rings for the rest of our lives. But it's it's true. I, I, aside from Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez, there's a lot of question marks in that pitching rotation. And then uh, on the National League side, I'm, I'm really curious your top three here. This is a unanimous vote. This is going to be maybe the only unanimous vote we see. It's got to be Sandy Alcantara. I, I agree. I mean, this dude, it, it's... I, I just watched him pitch a couple weekends ago here in Milwaukee. And... It's amazing because he tells you what he's, hey, I'm, I'm going to throw a fastball changeup. Hit it. And I throw hard. I'm going to throw a 98 in the eighth inning. I don't care. Here it is. Hit it. And to his detriment, he's been hit a couple of times. Like He, get, he gives up singles. He doesn't strike out the world necessarily. But the amount of innings cannot be ignored. Nearly 230 innings. 25 more innings than the guy in second. That's four more games. Like, mm-hmm. that's insane. That, that's absolutely insane for Sandy Alcantara. Still to be in the top five uh, in ERA, he's 2-2-8. It's a no-brainer. It's worth two full wins, uh, according to the baseball reference, better than the guy in second. It is Sandy Alcantara. It has to be unanimous. If it's not unanimous, uh, I'm going to be mad. It's got to be Sandy Alcantara. Second place is is tough. Uh, in the rest of the list is tough because I look at Max Fried. I look at Julio Urias. Uh, I mean... ERA crowns are still worth something these days. Do you like wins? I, I, does I, Kyle Wright, you I, know, getting a does 20 Kyle Wright wins? get a look, right? 20-game yeah. winner? Like, it's so tough, right? But I, I think the win should be dead, personally, <laughs> but that's my take anyway. Uh, man, I, for the the real ballot is the down ballot, if you yes. will, right? Like, I'm just trying to figure out who's going to be second, third, and fourth. But my top three would be Alcantara, Urias, and Freed. I'm really excited to see where does Gallon and Burns line up. Where do those two guys line up? Because non-playoff teams, Gallon had an incredible second half. Burns got it going late, but you know it's been a weird year for him as the reigning Cy Young Award winner. Where do those guys slot in behind the Freeds and the Nolas and the Wheelers? It's going to be a very interesting down ballot here for the NL Cy Young. Yeah, it will be. Uh, and can't argue with really your top three. I'll uh, I'll agree. Um, well, I, I'm keeping you. So let's quickly uh, just. Oh, you're fine. The, I'm no, keeping no, you. No, 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 I love this. Um, the the rookies of the year. Let's go back to the American League and talk about uh, if you have a top three for rookie of the year. So in the American League, it has to be Julio, but 
Adley Rutschman changed the clubhouse for Baltimore. Adley Rutschman, uh, you know, I think it would be a much closer race if Adley was healthy coming out of spring training. I, I don't let my mind wander too much because I don't know if my vote would change if Adley was healthy at the start of the year. Because remember, Julio had a terrible month of April. Really slow to start. And a lot of folks are saying, send him down. He's not ready. They were afraid of Jared Kelnick 2.0. Um, but he righted the ship, and that's absolutely worth something. His And also kudos to the Mariners' management, to Scott Service, to everybody in their player development, to saying, look, you are going to figure this out. You've had a lot of bad luck against you. You're going to figure this out. And keep playing fun. Keep playing with the spear that you play with. It's got to be Julio. Second, I go with Adley. I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to be Julio, then Adley. And third, a guy that you already shouted out, I got Stephen Kwan. He was on nobody's radar this coming season. Everyone was talking about Witt. Everyone was talking about Torkelson. Everyone was talking about Julio and Adley. Stephen Kwan coming in with no strikeouts in his first, you know, 20-something games. Uh, Incredible season. Playoff team. Doesn't strike out. More walks. He has been so important to Cleveland. He has earned my third AL Rookie of the Year vote. Can't argue with it. I totally agree. Uh, I am really curious though your National League because I think it's a li- it gets a little bit more interesting on that side of it. Very interesting. I was talking about this with a voter last week about, look, one and two are interchangeable. Again, you, there's no wrong answer between Spencer Strider and Michael Harris because not only for them to be rookies, but to be thrown into a pennant race and to be on a team that is trying to repeat and going up against the Mets... Spencer Strider and Michael Harris have not skipped a beat. They look like they're still playing AAA. Like, it's just insane that they've just acclimated so quickly in the big leagues. Again, the split vote might matter. With that being said, my vote would be to Spencer Strider. Oh, love it. Because, because pitching, like, man, like he, he's fastball, slider. Everyone sees 98 these days, right? Everyone knows what 90-mile-an-hour fastballs look like. But his command of the pitch, his confidence with the pitch... Quadzilla, as he's known by our good friend Pitching Ninja, by Rob Friedman. <laughs> and his dominance with that 98-mile-an-hour fastball at the top of the zone, it, it's it's incredible to watch. And then Michael Harris spraying it all over the field, playing solid defense in center two, really stabilizing a position that the Braves really didn't have last season. Remember, I mean, Duvall and Riley were all over the place for them last year. Uh, they had to figure out what was going on in the outfield. They've obviously signed Grossman. They had Rosario in the corner outfield, too, but... Harris has really stabilized things for them up the middle. So that's certainly playing a premium position worth something. So I go Strider, Harris. Third is tough. You can go with your boy Nick Lodolo with the Reds. <laughs> he deserves some praise. You can go with uh, Seiya Suzuki with the Cubs. And even though, I, in my opinion, it shouldn't count that Japanese professional players shouldn't count as rookies coming stateside, but I digress. He's still certainly a candidate. I think it's between those two guys, and I'm really excited to see what Jake McCarthy can do on this ballot from the Diamondbacks. You know, monitor this space with the Arizona Diamondbacks next year, in the next two years, because they've got some exciting teams coming forward. But for me, I actually would go to Nick Lodolo as my third my third NL Rookie of the Year. He was tremendous down the stretch. I also want to shout out Hunter Green down the stretch, the the yep. the two-headed rookie tandem atop the Reds rotation. Uh, seemingly really turned a corner, and... If there is hope in Reds land, uh, it starts with those two uh, in the rotation next year. So I'm, I'm glad you gave them a little love. I am a Strider guy. I I vividly remember, I, I had to look up exactly what date, but July 18th, he pitched against the Reds. I watched him. 
six innings, one hit, one run, 11 strikeouts. And the stuff, like the fastball has a bit more pop. You know who who he reminded me of watching? Uh, like he just looked like Roy Oswalt to me. Mm. Uh, kind of a, a smaller guy, right? Right at six foot. Like I said, a, a little bit bigger fastball, I think, than, than Oswalt had. But certainly that breaking ball. And so living here in Denver where gambling is legal, I may have right in the midst of that game, I, I may have put a little bit money on him to win National League Rookie of the Year. So uh, I do have a, a like monetary it. interest in Spencer Strider. I think the only thing that could keep him from being the Rookie of the Year is he only threw 131 innings. So if, if you want to, you know, I, I will listen to the Michael Harris playing every day, uh, being mm-hmm. a... It's a fair critique. A, a, a very big part of that lineup, uh, and then defensively, like you said. But, man, Strider had 200 strikeouts in 131 innings, uh, 2.67 ERA. If if he's not the rookie of the year, I do think he's probably the best rookie of this class this year, if that makes sense. I, I think Harris could— Yeah, as far as whose future you would take. Yeah, and I say that, I, I still, you know, I, I have hope for— like I said, the Hunter Greens and the Nicola Dolos, but man, it's it's tough to look at Strider and and not think like this guy's going to win 15 games and strike out 250 guys for the next you know eight to ten years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to be. There's a lot to like with him. Um. All right. Well, let's let's uh let's leave on this. Who who who's the most disappointing to you this year? Team player, manager, could be anything. What what was the most disappointing? I'll go player Jose Barrios with the Blue Jays. Very odd. He was my preseason Cy Young pick. Um, what a weird year for him. And we didn't obviously hit this crossroads, but you know there was questions of who was going to start game three of this series if it went three between the Blue Jays and Mariners. Do you go to with Ross Stripling, who's been statistically the better pitcher, or do you go to the guy you signed for seven years and $160-some million? Like, it's a question that the Blue Jays front office doesn't have to answer this year because they lost in two, but he's easily the most disappointing player, most disappointing team. It's got to be the the White Sox and or the Twins. I mean, everyone was highlighting these guys uh, for the whole offseason, like Tony La Russa is going to lead these guys to the promised land after coming so close in 2021. And you look at the Twins getting Correa, now he may opt out. Uh, They had some injuries to deal with, though, too, of course, but weird, weird central year and you can throw the Milwaukee Brewers in there too I mean I I cover them on a daily basis so the Brewers are certainly a disappointing team to go from a pennant contender to out of the playoffs so those are a a few candidates for me I won't pile on the Brewers the the White Sox were the biggest disappointment and I I know they got hit especially their pitching with injuries which was a shame but man that such a fun exciting young core i i thought they were really going to explode this year and they took a step backwards Mm -hmm. we'll have a new manager next year be interesting to see any moves they make and and what they come back like in in 2023 but yeah i i think the white Sox. when i think of players and teams and just i i had the most expectations for them for sure which I, I agree. It, it's a fair take. All apologies to DJ. I, I hope he's listening. I know nobody was more disappointed than than our buddy DJ Pihowski, but yeah, the White Sox, um, too bad, too bad. Hey, one and two count? 
r- r- bases open with two outs, one and two count, I'm gonna walk you. You, you take first base, big. You know, you're you're good. You know, I don't want to face you anymore with one and two count. Like what? What are we doing? <laughs> TLR is a great manager for a long time, and I hope his health issues are figured out. But man, it it was at times really sad to watch this year. So I I wish him all the best in retirement. But man, it, it was a weird weird year in Chicago. I want to throw one thing in Please. real quick at you, big. Something I forgot to mention in the NL Cy Young. I wonder how many votes Edwin Diaz is going to get. Because one of the best closing seasons ever, right? He was striking out half of his outs. Uh, You know, as overplayed as the trumpets became in the second half, like, he was still the best closer in baseball this year. I wonder how many Cy Young votes he's going to get. Because you can argue if there's a year for a a closer to be in the top five or even the top seven, this is the year to do it with what Edwin Diaz did. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And... I, I I also wonder too. This could be a whole different conversation, but just the role of the closer. It's it's got some things that you know the the stat heads don't really love. But I I forget who made the point. But there is something to be said for that atmosphere that Edwin Diaz and the Mets created when he entered a game at home in a save situation. That was it was it was cool one, but I can't help but think like that's. That was a big positive for for the team and for him. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I may be be grasping there, but I think that's a great point. And and I think he is deserving. The last three outs are the hardest yeah. to get. Yeah, the last three outs are the hardest to get. Everyone overlooks that the, those last three outs are very different than the other twenty four. Shout out his brother had a great year with the Reds too. <laughs> shout out, yeah. Alexis. Uh, well, I said that was going to be it, but one last parting thought as as. The playoffs will wrap this year, and we turn to 2023. How do, what do you make of the new rules? The the big ones being they're going to ban the shift, two infielders on either side of second base as the pitch is delivered. And then I think the um, the pitch clock is going to be a, a – I can't wait to see the pitch, the pitch clock. I believe it's 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on. The only other big thing they're they're making the bases a little bit bigger, I guess it in the hope that it will uh, spark a little bit more of the running game, more attempted steals. I'm a little bit dubious of that one, but I for one cannot wait for these these rule changes. I'm curious what you feel about it though. I'm curious of how it's going to react in the postseason next year because think about it, all these at bats and everyone taking their time and trying to figure out what you have, all that fun stuff. But, you know, to get it and go, I, seeing it in action in the minor leagues is kind of jarring in the first couple of innings. You know, you don't get a breather. It just keeps going and it's beautiful. I think an underrated thing about the pitch clock, though, is that with the changes, because of the pitch clock, that with pickoffs changed too, you're only allowed two pickoffs per plate appearance. And if you throw a third time over to first base or to second base, wherever, in the same plate appearance, and you don't get the runner. It's a balk. Mm. The runner goes to second base. So keep that in mind for the running game as they're trying to make this an athletic speed game again and reward the athletes and not just slug for power. And that's part of the reason they're getting rid of the shift is because, yes, power hitters are really the only ones impacted by the shift, but we've seen it get out of control that, you know, you look at a team like the Rays that shifting more than anybody in baseball, including against players that they'd rather them you know, poke a single through the right side and still have three infielders on the left side for a right-handed hitter. They'd rather poke a single than give up anything down the line or up the middle or anything like that. So I wonder who's going to be the first team that moves an outfielder 
over to the other side. So like, who's going to be the oh, team against Joey yeah. Gallo that's going to move their left fielder into shallow right field and say, hey, it's he's not an infielder. He can play wherever he wants. I, I wonder who's going to be Well, God, it's dude. a shame LaRusso's retiring because he would be near the top of my list, you know? <laughs> I'd say it's going to be Kevin Cash. Yeah. Man. The Rays are not afraid That's of anything. True. That's true. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, the unintended consequences. But I, I, I do commend baseball for trying to address some of these things that I believe have made it a bit less interesting, at least than the baseball. I grew up watching. We grew up watching. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be fascinated to see how it, how it all turns out. A, a quote from Craig Council back in spring training has stuck with me when this stuff started to leak out like the Brewers or that the uh, Major League Baseball was thinking about it. And he goes like, kudos for trying. You know, we can't sit here and say, oh, baseball sucks. Baseball's dying. Oh, stuff like, and then not do anything about it. You got to try. You got to figure it out. And if it sucks in three years, there's no problem with pulling yeah. it back. I, I commend them. And I know a lot of people want to bag on Rob Manfred and the lockout this year was really tough. But hey, we got playoff baseball right now. Cooler heads prevailed. Kudos for them for trying to keep this game healthy. Are they perfect? No. By, by no stretch of the imagination are they perfect. But we got baseball. We got enough to be excited about. We got a ton of stars getting ready to watch this week. And uh, I hope uh, you all tune in on TBS and uh, our friends at FS1. Uh, my executives and my bosses will be very, very happy if you tune into TBS Amen. this week. Amen. Nothing beats playoff baseball. This is setting up to be a great postseason, as always. Uh, Dominic Catronio. You can find him on Twitter, at Dom underscore Catronio, C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Uh, and as you said, if, if you're watching that Yankees-Guardians game and there are some great stats and graphics, just know the guy who's providing all of that. Dom, thank you so much for all of your insight and wisdom and enthusiasm. Always a thrill to talk baseball with you. Always a pleasure, Big. Thanks for having me on. Uh, been a longtime fan of the pod, and here we are. we got to get you back up here to Milwaukee, play some more golf with Amen. DJ and I. Amen. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 